0: Hello, and welcome to RipperCast, your podcast on Jack the Ripper and the Whitechapel murders, as we continue our occasional series of casts of thousands, shining a light on the research conducted in some of the lesser-known figures who populate the events surrounding the Whitechapel murders. What you are about to hear is Paul Williams, researcher and the author of the book Jack the Ripper Suspects, the Definitive and Encyclopedia, bringing us the second part of his examination of the claim that Mary Kelly was employed by John and Mary Reese in Swansea. The first part dealt with Dr. John Morgan Hopkins and now part two will focus on Mary Jane Reese and any possible connections the Reese's and Morgans might have had with the Mary Jane Kelly murdered in Miller's court.
1: In the first part of this cast we looked at Dr. John Morgan Hopkins Now we pick up the life of his daughter Mary Jane and her husband John Reese. To recap, Mary was the illegitimate daughter of Dr. Hopkins and first appears in official records as his housekeeper at 11 Quay Street, Carmarthen in the 1881 census. When Emily Cope died at the house in 1884, having apparently visited to seek an abortion, the doctor was acquitted of murder. He died the following year. Less than two months later, on the 24th of March 1885, Mary married a widower, John Reese. They lived then in Melbourne Place, Swansea. Their daughter, Gertrude Irene, was born the following year. John Reese was born in the village of Lanon in 1839 to Daniel and Mary in Mainwaring. Lanon is about three miles from the Hopkins family farmhouse at Gertrude Wen. John married Mary Ann Thomas in Daphne on the 21st of March 1863. Their daughter Mary Harriet was born in December. John was a grocer and spirit dealer. In November 1872 he was committed for trial charged with embezzling money from Messrs White wine merchants in Thomas Street Bristol. He had an agreement to sell wine on their behalf and they alleged that he had retained some of the money. The evidence was deemed insufficient. The report of the hearing gives some insight into the business, confirming that his wife was involved. Fifteen years later, living in Swansea, he was accused of the same offence, but the evidence was insufficient to justify a trial. He was then a travelling salesman for Messrs Manning, whisky distillers from Waterford. His first wife died on the 18th September 1874, aged 30. John described as a commercial traveller was present at the death. As it was certified, it was tempting to think that Dr. Hopkins was in attendance, but this cannot be proved. Commercial traveller was the occupation ascribed by Dr. Hopkins to the fictitious Charles Hopkins, who allegedly provided information on Emily Cope. In the 1881 census, living at home with his mother, John was described as a colliery proprietor. His daughter was living with Benjamin, John's brother, a publican. Like John Morgan Hopkins, Reese appears to have abandoned his legitimate daughter. Mary Jane Hopkins played a role in the new life of both men. After they married, Mary advertised as a midwife from her father's former surgery, but also worked from 18 Trevelger Terrace, Swansea. On the 17th of August, 1888, she appeared at the Cardiff Police Court Along with Louisa Wilson, alias Air Earl, charged with causing the death of Maud Williams by using or assisting in the use of instruments for the purpose of causing a miscarriage, an abortion, in other words. A solicitor obtained a deposition from Maud before her death. Wilson was arrested at her house, 28 Hamilton Place, Canton, and implicated Mary. They were also accused of using an instrument on Mary Jane Collier to procure a miscarriage. Collier, a married confectioner, responded to an advert placed in the name Cerise Hahn from Wilson's address. She went there and paid Wilson two pounds for an abortion which was performed by Mary Reese. In the period between the initial hearing and the trial in Swansea, the Jack the Ripper murders occurred in Whitechapel. The last victim killed on 9th November has never been identified. She used the name Mary Jane Kelly. After hearing of the murder, John Reese claimed to know her. Joseph Barnett, Kelly's ex-boyfriend, said that Mary told him she was born in Limerick, then came to Wales when very young, where her father worked as a foreman in an ironworks. She had six brothers living in London and one sister. At the age of 16, she married a collier who died in an explosion. Then she went to Cardiff, where her cousin led her into bad ways, and this included a spell in the infirmary. Despite extensive researches, none of this information can be confirmed. On the 12th of November 1888, the Swansea reporter of the Cardiff Western Mail wrote that Kelly was born in a house near the National School Llanelli. Lanelli. She went to Swansea and entered the service of Mr. and Mrs. Reese for about six months. Mrs. Reese's daughter of medical man, was currently awaiting a murder trial. Afterwards, Mary stayed in Swansea and her morals became more questionable every day. The source for this story is unknown. The next day the reporter made a correction, saying that Kelly lived with Mr. Rees and his first wife, not the lady on trial. This information came from John Rees, who said that Kelly was born at Lanelli and her father was a marine store dealer, well known in the area, who often argued with Dr. Hopkins, Rees's second father-in-law. After leaving the service of Mr. Rees, Mary went to Swansea then to Cardiff. She used to drink at the Unity Inn. Reece saw her in London about six months earlier and she spoke to him in Welsh. On the 15th November, the Western Mail reported that Jane Williams, landlady of the Unity Inn, denied that the woman Kelly who visited her house was the murder victim. Instead, it was Abigail Kelly who married a man called Muir and emigrated to America, where she lived in Kansas City with two children. Abigail was born Alice Kelly in the Nelly on the 22nd of October, 1858. She was one of three daughters of Dennis Kelly, a marine store dealer. She married William Muir in 1881 and moved to Kansas the following year. If Abigail drank at the Unity, it had to be prior to 1882 and probably before her marriage, although Jane's knowledge of the children suggests some contact after 1884 when Abigail's second child was born. We cannot say when Jane Williams began working at the Unity Inn, the first record of someone called Williams running the inn is in 1886. Abigail was alive after 1888 and could not have been the murder victim, That John Reese explicitly stated he knew as Mary Jane Kelly, the daughter of a marine store dealer in Lanelli. The Unity Inn was on James Street, in the district of Pontarddulais, Lace, closer to Gautry-Wen and Lanelli than the centre of Swansea. The Hopkins family advertised Gautry-Wen as near Pontarddulais. Lace. An obituary John Reese said that he was part owner of the Pontarddulais Lace Brickworks and that is less than half a mile from the Unity Inn. My original interpretation of the newspaper report was that Kelly drank at the Unity after she moved to Swansea, but it could have been much earlier. It is possible that one of Abigail's two sisters used the name Mary Jane. One of them, Margaret, is known to have engaged in drunken behaviour. After her marriage to Alexander Brewer, she was convicted of assault at a St. Patrick's Day ball in the Lely, along with the other sister, Julia. She was said to have been dancing with other men. She could have worked for Reese before moving to Swansea, then returning to the Lely to marry, and is the only one of Dennis Kelly's daughters who has not been traced after 1888. However, in February that year, she was burying her child in Dafen, not living in London with Joseph Barnett. 22 years earlier her father Dennis died at the age of 42 and was buried in Daffin. John Reese implied an association between the Rhys, Hopkins and Kelly families. We can speculate that it was the farming connection and geographical proximity that linked the Hopkins and Reese families. Hopkins was chair of the Cambridgeshire Farmers Association and active on his own farm in the 1850s and 1860s. He would have known Daniel Reese, who died in 1875 having lost his wealth. The connection to Dennis Kelly is harder to understand. In the 1860s, Hopkins was a well-known physician, and John Reese the son of a wealthy farmer and soon-to-be son-in-law the local inspector of weights and measures. Dennis Kelly was once prosecuted for having the incorrect measures. A marine store dealer was a rag and bone man, usually those who travelled from place to place. Reese described Mary's father, who he did not name, as being intelligent and articulate. Dennis Kelly was frequently in court and was described by the press as notorious. On the 8th of September 1862, he was assaulted by a fellow marine store dealer, Andrew Casey, who called a John Rees as a witness to rebut the charges. We cannot say if this was the same John Rees, but if so, it is perhaps unlikely that he would later employ Dennis's daughter. Reese claimed this employment was before Mary went to Swansea. We are expected to believe he stayed in touch after she left his service even knowing where she drank and met her in London seven years later. This suggests a deeper relationship than master and servant. We can dismiss the idea that she worked for his first wife. Joseph Barnett said that Mary Kelly was 25 in 1888, making her 11 when Rees's first wife died in 1874. She may still have been a servant to Mrs. Rees. John Rees's parents had a seven-year-old servant but if so, whoever remembered her and told the reporter in 1888 was recounting events of at least 14 years earlier. It is also unlikely that her immorality in Swansea began before puberty, and there was a gap of at least 10 years between her mistress's death and her arrival in London. There was no servant in the Rees household at the time of the 1871 census. On the 8th of June 1874, Abigail Kelly sang in a school fundraising concert, which also featured her sister Margaret, more Maggie. John Reese was arrested on the 3rd of December 1888 after days of rumours about abortion provided in Swansea. Described as an agent, he was indicted for using an instrument on Alice White for the purpose of procuring a miscarriage. White approached him for the service. Reese took her money and went through a sham operation. It seems that she wasn't really pregnant and he then asked her to stay the night. His wife's trial took place in Swansea on the eighteenth of December. The court heard that Maud Williams and her husband lived near reese in Swansea and both received medical treatment from her, though she was not qualified. They moved to Cardiff in March on the twentieth of July. Maud visited Wilson, was taken ill, and had a miscarriage, and died on twenty sixth of July. Her deposition was ruled inadmissible by the judge because it was taken in the presence of a justice who had no part in the committal of the prisoners. And did not contain a caption stating the charges as required by law. Denied this evidence the jury were requested to return a verdict if not guilty. Both women were then found guilty of procuring an abortion on Collier. Such convictions were quite rare because women seeking abortions were also liable to prosecution along with the embarrassment of being named. The judge adjourned sentencing for a day to see if there was other information on the prisoners and to hear the case against John Reese, The only evidence against him came from Alice White. She was an unreliable and gullible witness of dubious morals. Reese was acquitted. A suggestion was made that he wanted money to pay his wife's legal fees, and it might also be that his story about Mary Kelly was invented or exaggerated for the same reason. According to White, Reese said that the old man taught him how to do it, and that she should say nothing for the sake of his wife. Counsel asked who we meant by the old man, but the judge disallowed the question. The inference clearly is that John Morgan Hopkins performed abortions, and Reese learnt from him. In the last podcast, I cast doubt on the assumption that Hopkins aborted Emily Cope's child, because of a letter from Cope saying the child was born alive, and the fact that Cope's parents knew Hopkins, having once lived at Goatree Wen. We may also find it strange that a man with such skills would allow himself to have at least three illegitimate children, two by patients, with all the scandal and costs involved. Possibly then the driving force behind the trade was Mary Jane Hopkins, There is no extant evidence to suggest that her father was performing abortions before she came on the scene. We do know he experienced financial difficulties in the 1870s before establishing his practice at Quay Street. Captain Corcoran, Chief Constable of Swansea, and previously an inspector at Carmarthen, said that she had known Mary Reese for 10 to 12 years, which goes back to the late 1870s. He said that she came to Swansea about 1882 and advertised services to ladies. He had sent detectives to watch the house in Travolga Terrace, and they had seen women come out but had no evidence. The police found some letters in the house. One signed G.D. told its story plainly according to the judge. Letters are also found in the possession of John Reese. This suggests that Mary Reese was practicing abortions in Swansea whilst her father was still alive. This makes it more curious that the police did not pursue her involvement in Emily Cope's death. Mary Reese was sentenced to 10 years imprisonment and Wilson to five. Mary was in Woking prison in 1891 using the middle name of Florence, which also appeared on the court records. Another Florence, Mrs. Maybrick, was also in Woking jail at the time. Convicted of poisoning her husband, James Maybrick, she was sentenced to death in 1889. This was commuted and the case is often regarded as the miscarriage of justice. A century later, a diary emerged purporting to be from James Maybrick, also Jack the Ripper. Following her release after less than seven years, Mary Rees gave an interview to the South Wales Daily Post regarding Mrs Maybrick. This was published on the 3rd of October, 1895. Although an attempt was made to disguise her identity, the information is sufficient to identify her. She claimed to have shared a cell with Mabrick and been her closest confidant. They started talking about five months after Maybrick's arrival when both were in a prison infirmary. Reese said that Florence Mabrick admitted adultery, claimed to have been kept prisoner in her own home and regarded Michael Maybrick, James's brother, as an enemy. Mary was convinced of her innocence. Some researchers have accused Michael Maybrick of being Jack the Ripper. Following her release, Mary Reese was said to have rented a small shop in Woodfield Street, Morriston, and lived apart from her husband. Probate records show she died on the 13th September, 1901, at 1 across Morriston after a long illness. David Thomas, a tinplate dealer, was granted probate. A David Thomas, born Morriston, was living next door to John Rhys' brother in 1901. However, he did not have the same occupation, we cannot be sure as the same person. Another David Thomas married John Rees's aunt, Anne Mainwaring, in 1863. Researching people in Wales with the surnames Thomas, Rhys and Hopkins throws up many coincidences, as the following example demonstrates. The cross at Morriston is in Woodford Street at one forty-two. The nineteen O one census lists a Mary Reese, widow and greengrocer at forty-three Woodfield Street. She had three children. The youngest of whom, Gwenny Reese, was born on the fifteenth November eighteen ninety-three at Ten Railway Terrace Swansea. Her mother was Mary Reese Nee Lewis, and her father was John Reese. Mary was illiterate. The same combination of children and dates appear with a Mary Reese in nineteen eleven when she was married to Reese Benjamin Reese. This marriage was in nineteen oh one, after the birth of the children, and the death of our Mary Reese, who was in jail when those children were born. At one Woodfield Street in nineteen oh one lived a John Davis, his unnamed wife and children, including John's stepdaughter, Gertie Reese. We may recall the daughter of John and Mary Reese was Gertrude. After her mother's trial she was adopted by Thomas and Charlotte Thomas Nee Davis. She was living at 3 Woodfield Street in 1891. At 9 Woodfield Street, there was John Davis with his wife Margaret Knee John and children. John Davis worked at the tinplate Works. Margaret was born 1851. The 1901 wife was born in 1861, closer to the estimated birth date of Mary Reese. We can then speculate that Margaret died and that Mary Rees was living with John Davis and her daughter. The family relationship is not yet determined, with the likelihood being that Thomas Thomas was related to John Rees's first wife. John Rees survived Mary by five years, dying on the 10th of February 1906 in the Swansea Infirmary. He received a bankruptcy order in 1898 when he was carrying on a colliery business with William Howell. A William Sidney Howell witnessed his marriage to Mary Hopkins. The last known descendants of John Morgan Hopkins were also called Howell. Another coincidence? Or is it an undiscovered family connection? We have not been able to confirm which collieries John Rhys owned or part owned in 1898, remembering that he was also described as a colliery owner in 1881. The Gautry Wen colliery was not one of them. The obituary states that he was known as the Doctor and said that he left a daughter in a respectable position in Swansea. Mary his daughter from his first marriage married David Lloyd in 1888 and moved to America in the 1890s with their two children, settling in Pennsylvania. Unless there was another child we can assume that the respectable daughter was Gertrude. According to the obituary, Reese had been earning a living by travelling for cider and beer and undertaking odd jobs. His greatest period of prosperity seems to have been between the death of his first wife and the arrest of his second. At some point he was able to invest in the collieries and brickworks. During this time we can he help find abortion patients. There remain several unanswered questions. Mary Jane Hopkins is still unidentified. We cannot say the extent of the abortion trade that she operated, or how much her father was involved. We do not know the connection between John Reese and Dennis Kelly, and cannot account for the origins of John's belief that one of Dennis's daughters became a victim of Jack the Ripper. The only part of that story that can be collaborated is that a woman called Kelly, daughter of a marine store dealer in the Nelly, once drank at the Unity Inn.
0: And that was Paul Williams on Mary Jane Reese. I would like to thank Paul for contributing again to this series of short-form episodes focusing on the research being conducted on the Whitechapel murders, and I hope to hear more from him and others in future episodes. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or would yourself like to contribute to a cast of thousands, you can find us on the casebook.org message boards or on Twitter and Facebook by searching for RipperCast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.